Well, good morning, everybody. So my name is Dave Burns, and uh, hey, come on in. And uh, I've been on staff for about 13 years now. I'm the director of adult ministries here. So uh, whether you like it or not, so the speakers that I brought in this week, my, my job is overseeing virtually any ministry that we have that has adults in it comes under my umbrella. So I bring in all our speakers, breakout seminars, musicians, that sort of thing for conferences all year round. Good, thanks. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, Mark. I told Mark, I'm hooking you up with a guy that's probably going to floor you with his pe preaching gifts. And he goes, oh, thanks a lot. And, uh, but a part of the reason I'm doing it is I want you to hear him because I've done this in the past because it's Mark, you know, is the executive pastor at my home church, which is Twin Lakes. So after the first message that Ricky preached, she said, oh my gosh, you're right. And I had asked Renee, the senior pastor from our church, to come. You got to hear this guy. So they're already booking him to come to Twin Lakes. <laughs> so that was my selfish. Ricky had a uh, website that we can follow. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Huh? Okay, you'll help them. Yeah. Southwest Church out in Indian Wells. Southwest Church. And they're all archived because I go on and listen to his messages as well. Anyway, so um, I, I want to read you this to start with. Then I'm going to tell you uh, my story, and I'm going to ask some of your stories as well, and I've already heard from a couple of you. Identifying nuclear bonds and step connections uh, if you asked a first marriage family members to name the people in their families, they would all list the same people. Mom, dad, sons, daughters, brothers, sisters. But this is really interesting, and I really know this within the context of my own family. If you ask people in a blended family to identify their family members, they would have a much harder time. Each blending family member would probably have a totally different take on who constitutes the fabric of the family. And there's a lot of truth to that, because it, it even gets into grandparenting, all, all those types of issues. So um, let me ask this group here, what's your story? Why are you here? Single mom. Nine-year-old. Has your ex remarried? OK. OK. Is there a division of custody? You have, okay. All right. How about you guys back there? Divorce, remarried, three kids, three kids, four grandkids. All right. And kids, how old are your kids? Uh, grown out of the house, all of them. Okay. All right. And how long have you guys been married? Ten years. Ten years. Okay. All right. So. My story is this. Um, my first wife and I were married for 25 years. She was really well known to this community up here. Um, and we, I was pastoring in Southern California in Orange County, San Juan Capistrano. And um, she fought breast cancer for three and a half years and then went home to be with the Lord. And I have three biological kids. So my youngest was 17 at the time this happened. We literally wheeled. Leslie out onto the football field so she could see him graduate high school. And then she passed uh, later that summer. Um, a year after Terry went home to be with the Lord, I was already contracted to be here a week uh, of family camp to lead worship for it. I'm the lunatic they accuse of being the guy that brought worship bands to Mount Hermon back in the back in the 80s, because I virtually did it every week, uh, one week of summer every year for ever since then, even after I came on staff here. So um, I got here a year later, and I had told my kids, look, at last hurrah for dad at Mount Hermon. I'm not an itinerant type of guy. I don't need the money. So it's always been, I've always said yes to it because it's a family vacation. So I get up here. We got my, my in-laws even came. And um, I get up here, and my daughter, who was 22 at the time, had been on staff for five summers. Her camp name was Smalls, and she um, was part of the day camp 
counseling ministry there for five summers. So she comes to me and says, Dad, as hard as it is, there's a woman I want you to meet at Mount Hermon. And I said, God just hasn't stirred my heart in that direction, sweetie. So she grabs me and says, her name's Leslie Cooper. I want you to meet her, date her, and marry her. <laughs> and I, I, I'm not exaggerating any of this. And because of that statement and because of my past as a pastor and doing grief counseling and working with other marriages uh, who, who were, that were struggling and everything else, to hear that coming, particularly from a daughter, is extraordinarily unusual a year after her mom has passed. As tight-knit as our family was, because we really had a, just an incredible, um, I had a great marriage. And so I said, honey, uh, I'm really curious about this, because coming out of this, this statement coming out of you is profound. So what's her story? She says, well, she ran day camp and child care for 10 years. She went back and got her master's in counseling. She's a career counselor and guidance counselor at the local high school. And she's been um, raising her kids as a single mom for many years. So my obvious question was, kids, how many? And Sarah wouldn't even say the word. She just went like that. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> and I said, well, uh, next question, your youngest brother is starting his sophomore year at Azusa. How old is her youngest? And she said, 11. Is dad in the picture? No, not really. And uh, so I said, well, if I take this to a logical conclusion, you want me to marry a woman I've never met and raise a family again? And she said, no, God does, dad. So I thought, oh, gosh. Why do I have to? So my youngest son, unbeknownst to me, knew Leslie very well. Um, I had a distinct advantage that most people don't have. Her kids loved my kids. My kids knew and loved her kids. So me coming into this, we started a dating relationship for a year and then got married. So me coming into that relationship uh, was still not easy. I mean, there were times I'd look in the mirror. There was a time that Les and I broke up because she just said, look, you're either fully in or not in at all. This is my kids. And I had to say, you're right, and I was in. Now, there weren't times that I looked in the mirror and didn't go, what were you thinking? Uh, because I walked into a household where all five kids were living under the roof. And one of my, my youngest biological took a gap year and lived with us for a year as well. So all that to say is it came with its own complexities that I knew nothing about. Uh, again, the one advantage I had is that her kids had somewhat of a respect for me simply because they knew my kids so well and they saw how deep that relationship was and how we managed life together. So, so that's my story. Um, you know, your stories are obviously different. Stuff that you've already shared now. Mine was death of a spouse and remarriage, and you guys have, no one had death of a spouse here, right? Yeah, it was death of a spouse and remarriage. So this was, these blended families are based on divorce, except for you, who I know very well. Um, each has its different challenges. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you kind of a 30,000-foot overview of things that I've learned over the years. You may not be aware, but we actually host, a uh, the end of March each year, a blended family conference just on issues like this. That's five full hours of sessions. Um, and I bring in speakers from all over the country that their sole ministry, this is what they do. But one of the things that I've really learned, and I had to be very cautious of when I remarried, was comparisons. Um, there are issues that I had a great relationship with my late wife, as you did with, your, with Bruce, and then stepped into a new marriage with a woman who has a unique set of gifts, who is crafted by God, that does things different than I did or that my previous wife did. And I had to be real cautious about making comparisons. God's given me a great gift. He gave me the opportunity to, because she was in a very abusive relationship, 
gave me the opportunity to love a woman like she'd never been loved before and to love her children as a dad was supposed to love because her three older kids had nothing to do with their father. The two younger ones were young enough where they didn't understand nor had seen all the other stuff that was going on. So it was a gift to me that I could give to them as well to say I'm all in. Um, so along with that came the things that I have to be cautious. I'm stepping into a relationship where I don't know these kids. I don't want to make comparisons between her kids and my kids because once again, they're all uniquely crafted of the Lord. They have different gift sets. Um, I realized early on there were one of her kids that Honestly, I just didn't like his personality at all. And it was hard to get into a relationship with him um, because I, I'm called to love him, and, but I didn't really like him. And then I had to reflect upon all that the kids had been through and distrust of male figures in their life. So I had to wrestle through that, pray through it, and acknowledge the fact that, wait, I have to come alongside um, this person in, in a unique way to show him that I really care about him. And it, it's an interesting story, but when, when he turned 16, got his driver's license, I taught him how to drive. His biological father just wasn't around much and didn't really care to. So I, I taught him how to drive. And, and it got to a point where my wife is the guidance counselor for the local high school, as I said at the beginning, and Johnny... Uh, I had a really nice Honda Accord, and don't get ahead of me. And uh, we were allowing him to go to, to drive to school. Well, common sense is not all that common at that age, and he made an illegal turn right at the height, when, height of when everybody's coming into school together. He's given me permission to share this. Uh, coming to school together, so there's hundreds of people coming in and out. Makes an illegal turn into a driveway that you're not supposed to drive into because it's one way. Gets broadsided by a, a big dualies on the back pickup truck and virtually wipes out the car. Bags go off, you know, so cops are showing up, everything else. My wife calls me and says, you need to get over here. Johnny's okay, but your car sure ain't. And uh, so I get down there. And Johnny catches, he sees me, and I could see that look on his face, twofold shock, and he's gonna kill me, you know, one of those types of things. So I walk up to Johnny and I said, Are you okay? And he said, Yeah. And I said, Come here. And I just gave him a big hug, and he just fell into my arms, crying. And I said, Johnny, let's set this straight right now. I love you, I don't love the car. The car can be replaced, you can't. And so it's one of those trigger points that he realized my stepfather loves me and he probably realized my stepdad's loving me like a father really should love me. So, um, so those are the types of things I've learned really how to navigate in a blended family and what that can look like. Because I realize um, if you're in a blended family, which you are, um, you've got issues with children, no matter how many you have, that you are setting patterns in their lives. You are setting patterns for them to be released, and some of you in the back have already released and have grandkids and whatnot. But we're modeling what a healthy marriage is supposed to look like. And it's the issue of, I want to set a pattern for my stepkids, like my late wife and I did for our biological kids, to walk into a healthy relationship that can lead to a marriage and lead to a healthy marriage as well. So, uh, by the way, this is meant to be interactive. You can jump in anytime. Again, we're, we're doing the 30,000 foot overview. So any questions that might come up, just, just holler. And some of this stuff, because of the time element, I'll just race through. Um, so I understand that you had three and she had five? Yeah. So eight. Eight between the two of us. And now nine grandkids. 
part of where, I'm, where the statement I just made about modeling is so crucial. My late wife's dad um, had a plaque that he put up in their kitchen that I just never forgot. And it said these simple words, the greatest gift a father can give his children is to love their mother. And that always struck me so deeply because it's an issue of modeling. And for some, that just hasn't been done well at all. But that doesn't mean you know, one chapter does not make a book. So it's the type of issue where today is today, and we can look forward to the days and the years to come to help in that modeling for them. Um, so I really had a, an advantage that a lot of step families don't. My kids knowing their kids, her kids seeing how I interacted with my own children. Um, I have grown over time, because we've been married 13 years now, to love my stepchildren unconditionally, like I love my own. Um, years ago, my old, when, we, when Leslie and I first got married, I said, what's my biggest challenge with your kids? And she said, without a doubt, it's going to be Pete, which is her oldest, oldest boy, Peter, her oldest, her oldest boy. And I said, why? He said, because when the abusiveness took place, the physical abuse, um, it was Pete who got a lot of that. And he actually got a lot of that in front of schoolmates and things such as that, that um, set the pattern of distrust of male figures in his life. And so I took account of that and just continued to come alongside Pete. Um, and I'll never forget this as long as I live. We took Pete, he got accepted to Cal Poly, and now he's a lawyer in, in DC um, with he and his wife. But he, we dropped him off, took him and his new uh, roommate out to lunch, got him unloaded, and then Leslie and I were getting ready in the van uh, to take off and drive back home. And Pete says, Dave, can I talk to you for a moment? And I said, sure. And I'm on one side of the van. Leslie's getting ready to go into the, the passenger side. And he said, look, you've shown me what it is to have a real father. And I'm asking permission. Can I stop calling you Dave and call you Dad? And, <laughs> and I just hear, sorry, I hear my wife just breaking down on the other side of the van just in tears because she's, this is something she's hoped and prayed for for years. And again, it's those issues of how can we be a Christ-centered element in our stepkids' lives um, as a parent, as grandparents, to impact their lives in such a way that you're leaving a legacy in their life that makes a difference. Um, So I already talked about there at times can be disconnects even in liking them. And the one thing I learned really quickly was a step-parent can be a threat where a child feels as though they're betraying their biological uh, parent by loving their step-parent. And it was really interesting for me because the biological father was not there much. And yet I had read about and realize that that nuclear bond, the biological bond, runs really, really deep. So I was very cautious never to talk badly about their dad. And um, it was an issue of if I had something to say to him, uh, he would never pick up a phone call from me, but I would email him from time to time. And because my youngest stepson, Johnny, became an all-county football player that everybody knew. He, knew. he was always pictured in the nightly news broadcast because he was the star running back uh, for a couple years here as he was going through high school. But when I would go to see him at a game, because I would always go, his dad would never be there. And it's one thing for Johnny to acknowledge me that I'm there. It's another thing realizing that his biological father is nowhere to be seen because it gives him that feeling like he just doesn't care about me. 
But those bio bonds go so deep. And so I, I had to write his dad one time in an email and just say, look, it, I am Johnny's stepfather. He sees me all the time. It's one thing for me to be a stepdad. It's another thing for you to be his biological father, who he craves, even though he doesn't see you much. And you are missing out on your boy's formative years. And right now, he's a star in the county, and you're missing out on all those games. He's glad I'm at the games, but he misses not seeing you there. So I'm advising you, come see your boy play. And so he never responded to me, but the following Friday, he had remarried, and we love his, we love his new wife, and just pray that he keeps that together, because she's a delight. But the following Friday, he showed up, and it meant the world to Johnny. So part of the things that I've read in numerous books is understanding, recognizing the biological bond is very, very significant. It's very important. Don't ever downplay it, even if they've had a bad experience with the biological parent. And part of the reason is, as they grow up, as they start thinking for themselves, as they're not under the thumb of maybe someone who's really disappointed, they recognize the fact that I'm going to get married someday, and that guy is going to be the grandfather, the biological grandfather to my kids. And there's going to be questions that come up. And even as I mentioned at the end of sermon, at the end of service today, God's in the business of, of reconciliation, of restoration, of resurrection, of relationships. And He can do the same thing for stepkids with, with, with their biological parent if there's been abuse in that. So. All that, say, that to say is I've seen that play out in our own family now, where the three older kids have reestablished a bond with their biological father. Am I going to say it's really deep and that they crave to see it? No, but I'm going to say it's a very amicable relationship now, and I'm thankful for it, as hard as it's been. And, and Leslie's thankful for it. She hopes she never has to really talk with him again, but... It's really interesting because we've had four of the kids get married, and so he's been there for every one of them. And a couple of the gatherings have been at our home here in Mount Hermon, and all of a sudden he's stepping foot on the grounds again. And it's, it's not uncomfortable for me, but it's uncomfortable watching my wife, that's for sure. But it is what it is. So any comments? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, yeah. There's a fine line, and this gets into some of the issues that I, I, I would talk about uh, of unhealthy behavior maybe at his house as opposed to how you set things up at your house. And those are issues where you can either slam your ex or you can come alongside your son, right? Come alongside your son and just say, look it. It's, it's a compromise. And sometimes it's practicing amnesia because you know all the details of what went on before. And Leslie would be the first to tell you, my, my, my wife, that she really struggled with this. It was easy for her to badmouth her ex-husband. And I had to come alongside her and said, this is not good. And here's the reasons why. You can just say, look, at me and your dad yeah, there were certain issues. There's certain things that, I, that he may not have lived up to my expectations. But you know what? He's your dad, and he really loves you. And in his own way, and he may not be able to express it the way I express it to you, but nonetheless, he's your dad. Now, uh, but at the same time, if he's allowing you, and I hear this so often time with couples, if he's allowing you to get away with things in his home, that in the structure of our home are different, I need to set a boundary for you. Uh, I'm, first off, you have to wrestle with the fact I'm not going to punish you for what your dad's letting you get away with at his house. I'm going to ask you that under the guidelines of who we are and because we love you so much and we think what's best for you, here's how we work this in our own home. And, uh, and that's where that compromise comes in. It's not that you 
can't or even shouldn't talk with your ex about, can we sit down over coffee just to talk through these things and make this an amicable thing, and, and you're shaking your head, that'll never happen, which I understand. All right, so what you do is you send a, set a boundary for your son. Look at, dad may do things differently than I do, but I'm really purposeful in what I do because I love you, I care about you so much, and, I'm, and we're here for you. So, um, and that's where you just have to define. No, we do have a curfew. Or, no, there's, you can't be sitting there on your phone while we're having dinner together. Whatever it's going to be, that's really important to you. But again, the biggest mistake is that you start pitting one child against one's parent when you're actually blaming and disciplining them for doing something that the other parent is allowing them to do. So that's one thing you have to be cautious about. Does that help at all? Yeah. Dave, I come up from a family similar to yours. I'm a family of five siblings. Divorced three siblings. The five are much older than the, the three. Yeah. We're in our from fifties to seventies. Yeah. And this is this is not from our uh, Christian family. It's uh, non-believers. Non-believers. First and foremost, age discrepancy. If it's, I mean, what's the what's the closest in age between well, the two? My, my older sister was getting married, and my mom went to the wedding, pregnant with the younger. Okay, so you're going to get differences, obviously, in just connection points, simply because of age. That's all there is to it. So it's simple from that standpoint. The other part would be, and you're dealing with non-believers, is what you said. But that doesn't mean that we can't impart wisdom, come alongside, ask. But you have to set it up. It's the type of thing where, um, again, I have an advantage. All our, all our kids, as blended family, they're all best friends. The Peter, who I told you about, was going to be my hardest. He had a destination wedding in Kona, Hawaii. He calls me and says, Dad, I want to do a destination wedding. And I said, where? In Kona. I said, where are you going with this? And he says, I want Ryan, who's his, my oldest son, to officiate my wedding. So Ryan had had a, a real impact in Peter's life because he was willing to come alongside. And so our kids were very fortunate. They're all best friends. So it's very different from that standpoint. What I usually counsel for issues like yours is if you can sit down with siblings and say, hey, I know there's a huge age discrepancy, but don't act like you don't care, because that'll become apparent um, to the other kids. Realize you have something to offer because of who you are and what your life is, that you can come alongside a younger person. Um, you know, it's kind of like, it's like the old saying, uh, who did it? Uh, Howie Hendricks. Everybody needs a Paul, a Barnaby, and a Timothy in their lives. And a Paul is, is a teacher, someone who's experienced much of life, who can come alongside and pour into by, who are you? I want to know who you really are. So, and, ask, and think about asking questions intentionally ahead of time to draw it out of them. Well, what happens? You create a connection point. Everybody needs a Barnabas, just someone like my kids now, because there's, they're close enough in age where they rub shoulders and they have fun together. Rock climbing, everything else. And, um, and then every, everybody you know, needs a Timothy in their lives, too. So, just like I said, you're pouring into a person. So, but those are things you have to really set up to say, would you consider getting to know these people instead of at a family gathering you're all sitting together at the dinner table they're all sitting together at another dinner table 
because that's it's not not typical. I mean, it's it's pretty typical of what we see. Is that helpful at all? But in, it's really easy to go, that'll never happen. No, God's a whole lot bigger than that. It can happen. And do you think it's because of his relationship with his dad, his biological dad? No. I don't think so. Hmm. Yeah, the thing is, is that I've seen over the years is that not to place false expectations on it because it, don't, it may never change. Like, I will never have a relationship with Mike Cooper because he doesn't want it. That's all there is to it. I've sat him down. I've walked him through the whole thing, emailing him with Johnny that he responded to. But he's still, to this day, uh, finally, last year at a wedding, he shook my hand for the first time. Uh, I was officiating two years ago, April 1st. I was officiating my oldest stepdaughter's wedding. So she had actually invited her biological father to walk her down the aisle. And so I, it wasn't in front of the public. It was separately. I said, Mike. Congratulations. And I offered my hand, and he took it and shook it for the very first time. Otherwise, in years past, he just said, no. And I said, Doc, all I did was fall in love with your ex-wife after you'd already been divorced for years, and you can't even shake the hand of the person who's being you know, a healthy stepdad to your kids instead of being some idiot off the block that's going to be abusive or something. No, no. So all I said, all I learned from that is don't place false expectations. I don't stop trying. So for some people, um, I, and it's, it's come out of folks like you who are sitting in here over the course of this summer. For some people, it said, I wrote her a little note. And I said, we have an adversarial relationship that I just don't want anymore. Would you be willing to have a cup of coffee with me? Because I want to do what's best for the kids overall and put our differences aside. And for some of them, it's worked. And now they've built a relationship. Some have actually led to a friendship. So you, you don't place the false expectations, but you can still expect that something will happen, whether to the negative or to the positive. And that's all I can tell you. Anything else? Huh? There's always something else. <laughs> that I've learned, too. See, the, hard, the fun part for us is that my ex's uh, husband is married to this gal, who, Amy, who we absolutely love her. And Amy will sit down with Leslie anytime, and the two of them will talk. Uh, or I'll have a great conversation with her. But I don't know if it makes her husband, Mike, nervous or what. But So we still never have that kind of amicable relationship with him. But she knows what's best for the kids. 
And so I think she's been that factor that's come alongside her ex, I mean, come alongside Leslie's ex, does that make sense, to help her now husband navigate these relationships because she's a strong voice speaking into it, which has really been healthy for us as a family she overall. A uh, yes, she is a believer. And so is the dad. He's a professing believer. He just, so, just didn't really see the fruit of it. Um, you know, I faced all kinds of challenges. My, my stepdaughter, Sarah, uh, who is my daughter, I will be walking her down the aisle. She says, there's no way. There's, what she says is, there's no way in hell that, that yeah. my biological is going to walk me down the aisle. You are walking me down the aisle. You are my dad. But the first few months that Leslie and I were married, it was not fun with her. Because what she saw was this guy has come into the relationship that my mom is now enamored with, and now they're married. Even though I went to each and every one of the kids, and I said, look, I don't need your permission. I want your blessing to marry your mom. I'm in love with her. I'm committed to you guys as, as a family, as part of our overall family. But Sarah was like, this guy is just taking time away from me and mom. So I had to learn to navigate what that looked like and really get to know her on a much deeper level and walk through some of the issues that she'd been through with her dad. And now um, I'm close with all my stepkids, but I'm closest with her because we just have so much fun. It's dinner and everything else she'll come over for and, or we'll take her out. But those were hard times, those first few months of navigating. That's where I would look in the mirror and, and say, what were you thinking you know, when you did this? You know, those, those kinds of things. <laughs> 12 on up to uh, 18. 12 and 18. Yeah. Yeah, she had kids close, close together. So, um, let's see, what else can I tell you? I want to make sure we're okay on time. Good. Um, understand, I mean, we talk about the biological, uh, so keep that in mind. We talked a little bit about compromise, but one of the biggest issues that we all stumble, and I've already said it, is practicing amnesia. It really is. You know, I'm seeing head nods back there. It's being so cautious not to try and turn your kids away from or antagonistically against their other biological parent. And um, I wrote this down because it's what I've, I've learned to practice in our own family. It's Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who are listening. I want to benefit my kids. I don't want to be disgruntled or, or Leslie to be disgruntled because of her ex and how she navigated things or how he navigated things. So it's to keep in mind. In other words, be Christ-like in what you're doing. So that's part of that amnesia thing, putting it aside. And honestly, we continue to pray for Mike of, of who he's growing into because he's reestablished relationships. It's not that everything's great, but he's different. He's gaining momentum in a healthy healthy way that we're, we're, we're excited to see. And so that, the, so that the three older kids, two older kids really, and, and one of the younger ones have really reestablished a relationship with them. And part of this, and I don't know if this coincides with anybody, but when, my, when Leslie's oldest, Lindsay, I officiated her wedding two years ago, her dad walked her down. When she was living in Seattle, she came home to visit. And uh, I'll never forget this, because her grandma, my, my mother-in-law, was with us. And we're standing in the kitchen. And she started to talk. And she started to cry. And I said, what's up? And she fell into my arms. And she says, I'm a little bit scared. And I said, why? She says, well, I wish my dad could be like you. And I said, what's going on? She said, well. You know, Dad's remarried, and he's now coming for a trip to Seattle, and he 
he and Amy want to take me out for dinner. And she said, it just makes me freeze up. And so I said, Lindsay, look it. You were 11, 12 years old when all this crap hit the fan. You are not under the thumb. You are now a young, grown woman who calls her own shots. You set the boundaries. Your dad doesn't any longer for you. So you, you can say yes to that, knowing that if anything goes out of line, you can say, whoa, dad, that is out of place. Don't ever do that again. If you want to, you know, if we're here to try and rebuild a relationship, that ain't the way to, you, you have the power to call those kinds of shots in, in the midst of this relationship. It gave her the freedom to meet with them. And since then, they've just obviously rebuilt the relationship strong enough where she invited her dad. Actually, her dad and stepmom came down uh, last weekend to see the, she gave birth to a child four months ago. Yep. So, and that was what I had always prayed and hoped for because one day, understand, your dad's gonna be the biological grandfather. He's gonna wanna meet this kid, whoever it is. So they came down to visit Zach, and it all went just great. So, um, what time we got? Because I want to open this up for some question and answers as well. So let me do this. Um, there's so many issues to work through. As I mentioned, compromise becomes one of the big issues. Differences in discipline styles, including cleanliness or cleaning up. Man, it just drove me crazy. Uh, our first year of marriage. Um, Leslie's much like my late wife in that our home, we have a fairly large home up here, and it's, uh, it's the open door for all of humanity. So we had someone spending the night last night in our guest room. Uh, Johnny is up here uh, living with us again for a short season. But I never know. It really is the revolving door. So we entertain a lot. Um, so because we entertain a lot, people walk through the door, and I pastored for a lot of years, so a lot of folks from our congregation wouldn't show up at our house. I like a clean, at least kitchen and living room where they're coming into. Well, her young, and Leslie was less concerned about that because she's been working so hard, so long, full time to support these kids, single mom, and she wanted kind of the holy of holies of cleanliness to be the master bedroom. And uh, unless it's God, don't answer that. Um, so for me, and, and Leslie disciplines in a different way. So it wasn't, nothing was happening. I'd walk in and I taught Johnny how to cook and he'd leave everything everywhere. And no matter how I came alongside him, nothing worked. So I got to the point, all right, Lord, I'm going to stare out this window as I'm doing all the dishes, because Leslie's already gone to work, and because of my schedule here, I could set my times. Um, so I'll make this my prayer time. That worked for a while, and I still had resentment. So I called Leslie into the kitchen one day, and I said, see this mess? She said, yeah, I'm so sorry. I said, I, I want to do a compromise. I, I want to tell you what I'm about to do and make sure you sign on off on it. She says, what? And, and one of our preachers a few weeks ago said, yeah, sometimes you come up with crazy ideas that just work. And this was one of those crazy ideas. So I explained it to her and she said, okay, do it. I loaded everything up, which was a lot of stuff in the kitchen. And I took it all and I laid it on his bed. <laughs> in his be and he came home from, from school and just flipped out. And I said, he says, what are you doing? He said, I was cleaning up the kitchen. And he said, and he kind of looked at me and I said, Johnny, look at, I didn't know that you don't do this purposely to hurt me or disobey me, uh, but you understand it, it makes me feel, I get the perceived notion that you could care less of what I think about, and yet I'm here for you and I love you. And, and he got it. And so now he's become the cleanest of all the kids. And it was one of those weird ideas that I had to compromise with Leslie to say, are you willing to go on board with me to do this? And it worked. So even with discipline issues, compromising for blended families is tough. And we're really dealing with it a lot, holiday schedules. 
And we've learned just to say, okay. Like last Thanksgiving, Leslie was just about in tears because two of the kids and their spouses went to be with Mike and Amy up in Idaho. And I said, look, it, it's a blessing. They've reestablished some relationship. There's some, you know, this is good. And we'll, and we'll have our times as well. So we're learning to do that, to compromise going, hey, we're not always going to have our whole family together. It's just the reality of what it is. Um, handling finances. Um, helping her kids through college when they weren't my own biologicals going, I'm either in or I'm out. What? Five. Yeah, and, I, and it was either, you know, it's like Leslie said, you're either in or you're out. And I go, no, I'm in. So whatever we have to do to help these kids, we're going to help them through. Um, being cordial to the ex-spouses, if possible, in practicing amnesia. Um, one of the key things that I've learned to pray continually about and read about is um, recognizing what the step-parenting hurdles are and what experts in the field say, have you thought about this? Here's how you can overcome these things. Because uh, so oftentimes, um, one of the most discouraging things for me is we have a blended family conference, and usually 15 couples show up. Now, statistically, when I read of what's going on nationwide, even within the Christian community, it is so large and so common now. And yet people think, no, I can do it on my own. And unfortunately, second marriages with blended families have lots of inherent problems. If you're not willing to invest in how can I help overcome these issues so, so that me and Leslie can have a healthy marriage relationship. So years later, when the kids are gone, there's still going to be issues because you've got grandparents on both sides and all this kinds of stuff. How can we do this to navigate this? So that, that's a crucial thing. Uh, so without compromise, there's frustration, there's rejection, there's resentment, uh, bitterness, insecurity, and fear. And a lot of it is the fear on the kids themselves. So when you're dealing with what, a nine-year-old? Go ahead. <laughs> that was foolish. <laughs> you never break that interaction until death. Yeah. 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 So Jack was a 30-year-old bachelor and married me with a 12-year-old. And I had been abused. And so here we both have our baggage that we're bringing together. What a joke. Sorry. But you're never free of the ex, no matter how old or how long. Yeah. So Jocelyn was born when Matt was 14. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she's experienced blended family. And we came to Mount Hermon way back then, and you all had the blended family little outbreak like this and but helped it, us so yeah. much. Oh. Good. Who was doing it? Was it Ken and Mary Harrower back then? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mains. Oh, Karen and David Mains. Oh, did they come? Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. yeah. All right. Well, good. Um, let's open it up for any any type of questions or comments, since we've got about another ten minutes before you guys have to go pick up kids and things such as that. Anybody? Yes.
But you have a child? Three. Three kids. So she's involved in their lives as well. Has it been okay or not okay? Right. Yeah, I, I would say, and how do your kids respond to her as a stepmom? Yeah, and, and I would just say this. Um, it, it gets back to part of the fear issue of, and how old are your kids? 12, 10, 11. Okay, so it gets back to that, those fear issues of kids not wanting to dishonor their mom uh, because they're talking about the relationship that they have with their stepmom. And yet at the same time, you're probably craving that it's going to be a healthy relationship with their stepmom because even though you want them, you know, to, obviously you have a healthy relationship with them, uh, any step-parent should want there to be at least a healthy relationship. Uh, I mean, a parent should want there to be a healthy relationship with a step-parent so that you're not hearing negative stories from the other side, then really having issues to deal with. So I would just give your kids permission just to go, Hey, you know, don't ever feel like you don't want to talk about Amy and the relationship that you have with her because I just pray for you that it'll be a good relationship because I want that for you. Because the alternative is it could be a bad relationship and I don't want that for you. So don't be afraid to share that with me thinking that maybe you're hurting my feelings because you're not. You know, so just give them the freedom to do that. So, and because not knowing the background of you and your husband, it sounds like they're in a safe place. And, you know, for some of the families that I've met with yeah. over the course of the summer, it hasn't been a safe place. And it's all the crap that comes with that. So, yeah. 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 It's hard to do, but it's. Anybody else? So Sue, help me. Why are you here? Yep, I know. The amazing thing to me is if, if you get 
in the years to come to spend time with that grandchild, the grandchild doesn't make a differentiation. They just fall in love with you. That's all there is to it. I had to tell Leslie, I said, look at, you're shaking your head no? No, 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 of course, yes. But, but here's what I've also seen. Um, and, and two have come to light, and you know one of the families here at Mount Hermon. But when kids are old enough to really start thinking for themselves, and they've heard all the bashing. And what? Oh, you, for, well, like this kid is 15 who just moved back from, from Oregon to be with his father because he said, and he shared it one of our Friday night victory circles, and I was just sitting there in tears because I know his dad so well. He just said, I had no idea of who my family really is. So I started doing some background investigation because I was old enough to think for myself and do this and found out, oh, my gosh, my my dad is adopting kids and making their life whole and you know giving to them and he coaches and everything else and my my mom I love her but now I realize she's just struggling and so she would always badmouth and 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 I never got to know the dad that so so they they come to that age of accountability or whatnot and they can think for themselves and they do investigate and then they realize oh my goodness it's, it's interesting in my own family, um, my, all my stepkids love my late wife's family more than they do my own side of the family, which is also incredible. So I have a picture in my office of all, uh, all of our eight kids on a staircase with, with my late wife's whole family. And, and they stay in contact, including in, including Gigi, which is my, you know, my, my mother-in-law from my late wife. So it's, it's, it's all about impact. It's all about influence. It's all about just coming alongside and pouring into. What do you do about grandson having visitations with his dad and he comes back and you say, what did you guys do today? That's it, yeah. And not crying, just trying to help. Yeah. Not crying, just, yeah. how was your day? What'd you do? Nothing. Got to bed. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what I've seen some families do, um, even in the context of my own family, um, a couple of the kids had to see a counselor. And who would really get them to open up. It's an objective outside listener instead of a family member that knows the questions to ask and how to navigate those to get a child to open up. And then it's really been helpful with, for, for two of my stepkids. I need to let you know it's 1217 if you have kids that you have to go pick up. And I'm more than, or if anybody has any insight into this, it doesn't have to be just me. So ask the question again. Have you asked her, uh, you just don't want to share, you're not willing to share, or those types of things? Okay, that's a trigger sign for me. And that's where I would say, honey, would you be willing to go talk to this person with me? And you guys can be there together. Uh, and part of the reason is, uh, 
I think you really want to do that prior to puberty when all the hormonal changes come and so that she's working with and have that kind of behind her and some counselors are really going to help her navigate that of where your worth truly is and maybe dad's or maybe it's an interpretation of something he said you know all those kinds of issues but I just wouldn't wait and let thinking that it's going to pass in the teen years because it could become a, a trigger point. And, and I don't mean to scare you, but because my wife's a guidance counselor for the local high school, we deal with a lot of crap at, over dinner talking through issues. We became foster parents a year and a half ago because of some issues that kids were going through. And, and signs that she quickly sees are kids whose grades are just diving in high school, and it's a trigger point for kids who start because she can see if they're self-harming, if they're cutting at all. Things. And so you want to be very preemptive in striking against that early. Yeah. And that's a great thing about a good counselor. They recognize that stuff right away. They just pick up on it so quickly. Because Leslie will do the same thing. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Great interaction. And I just, so just so you know, I don't know all your names, and I won't remember all your stories, but nonetheless, I pray for you guys, uh, for all the folks that have walked through here over the course of the summer. So thanks for being here. Thanks for caring enough to be here.